If you want to follow along on your yellow bulletin or on the television, um, there we will have uh, the scripture as well as one brief announcement. Actually, it's not on the bulletin. I'm just going to say it. So you must listen closely or else you'll miss it. Um, it's the first Sunday of the month. And so Brian Kelly is going to be doing Q&A time under the apricot tree uh, after the service. So if you want to have your question answered, bring it and he'll answer it um, right after the sermon. And he's going to do that the first Sunday of every month. Um, so check that out. Now, if you'll join me on the back of the bulletin or in your Bible, I'm going to be reading from Matthew and Proverbs. The first passage, Matthew 6, 19 through 24. <clears throat> Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is in darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Proverbs 10, 2, 15, 27, and 22, 16. Treasure gained by wickedness, treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates bribes will live. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning and we thank you for your word. Thank you for this truth and I pray that as we come together as a community and worship together and listen to your truth together that we would just come to understand what your kingdom is and what it means to lay up treasure for you. I pray that we would be less focused on the world this morning, that we wouldn't be looking at things that are perishing and passing away, but that we would look at your eternal truth and, and your kingdom, which will last forever. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen. All right. Am I on? All right, good morning there. Good morning, everyone. I uh, <clears throat> want to invite you to have your Bible handy and, and uh, ready to, to look at and study. Um, our, our church has been around for, um, I think, about eight years, and I, I have not spoken um, about money very much. And this morning, I'll, I'll be very quick and to the point, we're going to talk about money this morning and possessions. And um, to be honest with you, part of the reason why I haven't is because of an overreaction in my own life. And that overreaction is that I've been um, a part of churches um, that just do funny things with money too much. And um, been a part of um, pastors that, that uh, what I feel is um, misuse even the Bible to talk about money. 
And so what, what's happened then is it just makes me like go like way over here and be like, I just don't even want to talk about it. And um, I think now if, you, if you've been around for a while, you know me and, and I think you know that, that um, uh, we're, we're not driven by money here. Um, uh, in fact, I need to talk about it more in a healthy way. And you can probably even guess just by looking around that um, we don't do massive fundraisers all the time for buildings and all kinds of nice things. <laughs> although, I will say the big although is, very short little footnote, is that once uh, about six months ago, nine months ago, when we just tried to give more attention to the budget, we actually spend more money on this property than we realize. So, but we'll talk about that in a few weeks, unfortunately. And a big part of that is just because of the trees and lots of trees coming down and all that kind of stuff. But we'll save that for another time. Um, so I just, I feel, I believe that it's, it is so important for us to truly understand what God's word says about our financial resources, about our possessions that we own. All right, so I'm going to begin with this. And I know that this is maybe risky and maybe foolish, I don't know, but we're going to do it anyways. I, I, and then I'll, I'll speak again after I ask you the question. But raise your hand, raise your hand if you think of yourself as greedy. So I, I'll tell you this. Now, this is just kind of fun. I listened to a whole bunch of sermons this week from people that I like. And one of them was an old Francis Chan sermon. And just to compare his church from a long time ago to our church, um, I think he said in his sermon about a third of the people raised their hand. So we are a, either far more holy than they are or a bunch of liars. <laughs> Probably a bunch of liars. So, um, you know, it's coming up on tax season. And um, we found out um, a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, that we're getting a refund and uh, getting a little bit of money back. And guess where my thoughts went? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't to give more money to the church. It wasn't to um, help some kids at Mission of Hope in Haiti. It wasn't to uh, buy something for my wife. It wasn't to buy something for my boys. It was to buy something for myself. And thankfully, though, the money hasn't come yet, so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't buy anything for myself. But my point is this. That's where my heart went very quickly, too quickly, too quickly for my liking. And it kind of scared me. And um, I think um, the idea of thinking of ourselves as really liking money and, and maybe liking it more than we think is actually really hard to admit. So um, the few brave souls that raise your hand, thank you, because I, I need to raise my hand. And, um, and try to be honest about how much money actually plays a role in our lives. I do know this because I talk to people in our church. Financial stress is a real part of life, causes massive amounts of anxiety, causes uh, massive amounts of fighting. If you haven't experienced this yet, um, if you're too young to have experienced this, it, it will happen at some point in your life where someone in your family dies and there's a little bit of money left over, right? And like families just bring like switchblades of greed to the, <laughs> to the meetings. And, the, and, and I'm not joking. It, you will, 
it is, well, I'm not shocked anymore, but I used to be shocked about how mean and how brutal and how, how with, there's something within our human hearts that can turn super ugly really quickly when we talk about money. So, um, the only thing I, I can think to do is, is we have to study God's Word and try to listen to what God says um, about, about money. So, here's what we're going to do. I've got two things that we will learn from the Old Testament. Two things that God will teach us about money and possessions. And then we'll look at um, three things that Jesus specifically talks about, um, uh, about money. So, um, if you have your Bible, we didn't print this in the bulletin, and I'll just, <clears throat> I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 1, and let's begin in Genesis chapter 1 in the very beginning, and let me just read um, some really important things. So, these verses that I'm going to read, um, these are foundational for us to understand. It's foundational for your personal life, foundational for um, our church family um, to understand this. And this is point number one that God teaches us, is that God owns everything. That God owns everything. God is the creator of this universe. He is the creator of the, the world. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that you own nothing. You might have a, a bank deed or something like that, a property deed to a piece of property. But God is the owner of all things. Let me just show you this. Genesis chapter 1. This is called, um, this is referred to as the creation mandate. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says this, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And God said, Behold, I have given to you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the heaven and every bird of the heavens and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we know from Genesis chapter 1 that God is the creator of the universe, of the earth, and that he calls us to be stewards. Now, all this, we're not going to study this in, in depth right now, but there's a couple key words. Words like dominion. Um, words like that we are to subdue the earth, that means this, that God created all of this, everything that we see around us in beautiful Malibu, but we are to be caretakers of it. That we are to be managers of it. That we are to be stewards of it. That we are to take care of it. That we are to be people, that, that people who follow God are to be people who take care of his creation. Not as owners, not as people who just like hoard things, but as people who take care of it. Now, immediately, all we have to do is just, if you just pay attention to the news a little bit, we know, let's connect this with money, that there is something within the human heart that will destroy God's creation for what? For money. 
in all different kinds of ways. Um, it was on the news again um, uh, this week about, I think it was, I think it was the black rhino in Africa and how the horn of a black rhino right now is more valuable in weight than gold. Right? And what do people do? They just keep killing them. They don't stop. They just keep killing. So, here's what we learn. God has made us stewards to take care of his creation. There's something within human beings that say, I'm going to kill, I'm going to use it to the very end. Why? for money, for greed. And there's something within all of us that exists that has the ability to do that. So number one, God owns everything. That should change your attitude towards your possessions and your bank account and your money. And you might think, hey, I earned it, I worked hard. But, but who's giving you breath of life right now? Who has given you the mental ability and the skill and the aptitude to work hard and accomplish things you've accomplished. Number two that we learn from the Old Testament from God is that money must be, quiet, must be acquired honestly. That we must be people of integrity in how we acquire wealth. So, we know that from the Old Testament that there are examples after example after examples of people of extreme wealth. So the Bible does not ever condemn wealth. Okay. Example after example after example of people who have wealth. But the Bible very clearly teaches we must do it in an honest way. So let's look at these. Proverbs chapter, uh, can we put those back up? Proverbs chapter 10. Let's look at these for one second. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. All right, so again, think about the world that we live in. People will lie, people will deceive, people will manipulate, people will control, people will gossip. People will do anything to make money. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit. So people who consider themselves followers of Christ, we do not make money through dishonest gain. Righteousness delivers us from death. Next proverb. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Think about that for a second. That you're not, it's not just you. You're bringing negative, hurtful, dangerous things into your own family through greed. But he who hates a bribe will live. It, there's just some simple wisdom here. Run the other way when people come to you to make money through dishonest gain. It hasn't happened in a while in our, in our church, thankfully, but uh, we've gone for maybe about a year or so since someone has tried to like, sell something. And I think the last time um, it, was, it was some special new water, right? And someone comes to me and says, I've got this, I think it was oxygenated water, something new, great. And I'm, <laughs> right? And you just, you're like, well, no, you're not going to come up and make an announcement and sell water to everyone here at church. Um, but it happens all the time. It happens all the time where people have some, some agenda, some, some thing, some, the new, latest, greatest thing. And the Bible says, use wisdom. 
unjust gain will just bring trouble to your life, no matter how good it sounds. And it will sound good, right? We all know this. It will sound so good. All right, next proverb. Think about this for a second. Whoever oppresses the poor to increase his own wealth or gives to the rich will only come to poverty. Think about how that applies to today and how the income disparity continues to grow. So, we learn two things, foundational things that will endure for the rest of your life. Number one, that God owns all things and that we are called to be stewards of his creation, that we are called to be stewards of the money that we have. Number two, that we are to acquire money, we are to acquire wealth in an honest way. We are to be people who work hard, who are ambitious, who have dreams, who strive to be successful, but do our work with integrity. When we look at the Old Testament, we see men and women who pursued success in whatever career path you are in, pursue success. Work hard, have ambitions, but do it with integrity. Be a man or woman of integrity who follows God in every area of your life. We must manage our money well. I don't think we put this on the, on the screen. I, I forgot to mention it, but if you have your Bible, turn to Proverbs chapter 27. There's a really interesting uh, Proverbs there that will lead us to the Gospels. Proverbs chapter 27. Proverbs 27, verse 23. says this. Know well the condition of your flocks. All right, so I don't know, I don't think, at least I don't know of anyone in our church that um, has a career as a farmer rancher that has lots of sheep. But the point is, is your money, your wealth, your income. So know well the condition of your flock. Know where your money is going. Know well your financial situation. Give attention to your herds. Now, we don't even want to do that. It, I, I'm going to make a, a suggestion, and it's probably true, that most of us don't take time and look at our bank statements and say, where does all my money go? Where is it going? How am I functioning with my money? The Proverbs say, pay attention to your money. Verse 24, for riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? So, we are to be people who are not ignorant. We're not to be unaware of, of how we use our money. And that leads us um, directly to the Gospels and what Jesus is going to talk about. So, if you have your Bible, flip now to the Sermon on the Mount. This is Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, though, begins in um, Matthew chapter 5. And here's, let me read verse 1 of chapter 5. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. This is Jesus. Jesus goes up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. So here's what we need to know. The, the setting is this, is that there's a crowd around Jesus, but Jesus is specifically and directly talking to his disciples. So if you're here this morning and um, you are just really thinking about Christianity and you're unsure about it, you're asking questions, 
Jesus is not specifically talking to you. He's specifically talking to his followers. So you can sit back and say, hmm, I wonder if these Christians are really going to listen to the words of Christ. So you, you, you kind of get to sit down and evaluate us. So what does Jesus teach? Jesus teaches us a few really important things here. And number one is this. Where you spend your money reveals the true desires of your life. Where you spend your money reveals the true desires of your life. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And Jesus says this. And I, one of the best things about the Gospels, speaking from the Gospels, is like, I'm just quoting Jesus. Like, there's just, there's the, like, it's just straight Jesus. So, like, if you, like, get mad at me, I'm like, I'm just quoting Jesus. So, we're just going straight to the words of Christ. Here's what he says. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine, excuse me, <laughs> wrong, I highlighted the wrong verse from another sermon, sorry. I forgot my colored pencils this morning. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is very clearly laying out two perspectives of life. How are we going to live our lives? How do you want to live your life? Do you want to live your life on the trajectory of earthly treasures, or of eternal. So it's a contrast. Jesus is saying there's temporary things and there's eternal things. What are the things that you want to have capturing your life? Um, we're going to do a little quiz this morning and it's going to start out hard and then I think it'll get easier, okay? So every good teacher has the answer key in front of me, right? <laughs> because I might forget too. So here's the background. Um, when I taught eighth grade American history, there was a TV show, a history channel show that came out uh, called um, Men Who Made America, I think it was called, The Men Who Made America. And it, really significant guys. So we're going to see how many of these guys you recognize. All right, so let's go to the first one. Anyone recognize that guy? One hand, just raise a hand. You don't have to say it. I'm not going to quiz you. With one person, maybe, or two. All right, good. Next person. All right, here's who it was. Cornelius Vanderbilt. Okay, these are all the wealth. These are some of the wealthiest men in the history of our country. Okay, next guy. No, we like the mustache, though, right? All right. Someone knew that one? Nice. All right. All right? Andrew Carnegie. All right, let's stop there on Carnegie for one second. Can we do the Carnegie quote? All right. So, this is um, something that Andrew Carnegie wrote um, about himself. And this is uh, from a book, on, on Tim Keller's book on counterfeit gods. And this is a quote from Carnegie to himself. You know, there's like, note to self. All right? And 
So we're talking about trajectories of life. How do we want to live our lives? What are the things that capture our lives? And he says this, that, that people, all of us, we, we have an idol. And the amassing of wealth is one of the worst species of idolatry. No idol is more debasing than the worship of money. Whatever I engage in, I must push inordinately. Therefore, should I be careful to choose the life which will be the most elevating in character. To continue much longer, overwhelmed by business care, and with most of my thoughts wholly upon the way to make more money in the shortest time, must degrade me beyond hope of permanent recovery. I will resign business at 35, not during the ensuing two years I wish to spend the afternoons in securing instruction and reading systematically. So that's a quote from a biography. Um, and so he's aware of something. Now, what we all know is he does not quit work after two years, right? And he becomes one of the wealthiest men in our nation's history. What's more interesting to me, though, is, uh, is a quote from one of his employees. And now we know that um, he went around the country and built about 2,000 libraries with his money. But, but contrast that, and that, that's, that's cool, I like books a lot, but here's what a quote from um, one of his employees. Although Carnegie built over 2,000 libraries, a steel worker speaking for many told the interviewer, we, did not, we didn't want him to build a library for us. We'd rather have had higher wages. At that time, steel workers worked 12-hour shifts on floors so hot they had to nail wooden platforms under their shoes. Every two weeks, they toiled an, an inhuman 24-hour shift, and they got, then they got their sole day off. So 12-hour days, 12-hour days, a 24-hour day, then you got a day off. The best housing they could afford, the best housing they could afford was crowded and filthy. Most people died in their 40s or earlier from accidents or disease. So he doesn't listen to his own advice, as insightful as that is. All right, let's go back. I think we've got one or two more guys here. Looks like a president, J.P. Morgan. All right, and the last one, the easiest of all. All right. Let me, let me speak frankly for a moment. There's something that they all have in common, besides being really, really wealthy and powerful. They're all dead. That they are all dead. And the Bible says you're brought into this world with nothing, and you're leaving with nothing. And we are obsessed with money. And we're never willing or able to look in our own lives because I believe that we all know people in our lives that have more money than us. And so we're never willing to take time and say, hey, I, I need to look at my own heart. I need to look at my own life. Because I'm not nearly as bad as that guy. We all, we all know. Listen, we, where we live in Malibu and where we come from around here, we all know lots of people have more money than us. So we self-justify. We're not generous. 
Our minds are preoccupied with money. It causes fights within families. It causes anxiety. And Jesus says this, do not lay up for yourselves earth treasure. Don't live your life, my followers. Do not live your life on this trajectory. Don't make that the preoccupation of your life. And we do. Why in the world would my initial reaction be, when I found out we were getting a refund, to spend it on me? Why? And I'm a pastor. I mean, I should be a little bit better than the rest of you, right? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not. I'm joking. There's something within us. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. What are treasures? Treasures are things that we value, things that we protect. Think about things that you have in your life that are valuable to you that you protect, that you want to hold on to. Jesus is deeply concerned that the material things of this world will consume our lives. Jesus says, do not accumulate the things that have earthly value. I was talking to a friend of mine, no joke, yesterday, he's a, he a local friend of mine, he's a construction worker, and he told me this coming week, he is going to um, a house here in our neighborhood, and he is going to rebuild their closet. And I'm like, why are you just going to go over to someone's house and rebuild their closet? And he said, because they have a moth problem. And I'm like, I'm like really? I haven't heard of that. And uh, I, I was started thinking about like moths, and, and, it, and then we started talking about, and I'm not sure if this is even true anymore, but like my memory of being a kid is like um, older people having like a certain smell, and it's like, it's the mothball smell, right? Because we've got to keep our wool, keep the wool safe from the moths. Look, here's the point. And Jesus, Jesus is just giving us examples here to remind us that these things can capture our heart, that they are temporary, that they can so easily and quickly become disproportionately important to you. We can say things like, I love you, Lord, and I want to follow you, but I like money too. I like it a lot. And Jesus is saying, verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What has captured your heart? Is it the material things of the world, or is it Jesus Christ? And here's how you can tell Jesus is saying, listen, he's, he's just kind of firing at us. Your bank statement will tell your true desires. You can say whatever you want, whatever comes out of your mouth. Jesus is basically saying, it doesn't really matter how much you say you love me, because where your money is, that is the determining factor of what you truly treasure. And I believe that it is rather embarrassing for me to even say how easy it is for the earthly things to capture our heart. <clears throat> Number one, Jesus teaches us that how you spend your money reveals what you truly desire. And money has the power to bring security, things that we think will bring security. It can open doors for us. 
it can provide things for us. Listen, we all think about how much we enjoy something new. It bring, it's so fun for a while. It doesn't matter what it, whatever it is. <clears throat> a bicycle, surfboard, golf clubs, toys, whatever's new, we like. Even for guys, right? A new, a new set of truck tires and you get all happy. Something new. And Jesus says that they're, they're rusting. They're going away. So the question for us, what are you truly treasuring? Are you treasuring the security that money can bring? Are you treasuring the things it can buy, the doors it can open? Jesus is asking us to evaluate our hearts. And it's interesting, when we think about this, um, in, in, in church culture right now, I'll tell you this, that over, over many years, one of the common things that um, young guys will talk to me about, or men in general, they will talk about the desire to live a pure life and the struggle with pornography. And so then that will be a, a conversation about, okay, thank you for your honesty. Now let's do, here's a game plan. Here's an action plan of how we make progress in your life. I've talked to people in the last few months, a handful of people, about taking a break from social media. And then here's a game plan. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to stop this, this, and this for a specific amount of time. I've never heard a game plan, a strategy on how we deal with greed. Nobody has ever, I've never had a conversation to say, hey, okay, this is a part of my life, I'm struggling with this. What's an action plan? How do we, how do we make progress out of this? How do we, how do we break this, this hold that money has on our lives? Jesus says this, and he gives us this little parable. And this is point number two to help us understand an action plan is this. First, you have to be able to do this. Know this, that money has the power to blind you to materialism and greed. Money has the power to blind you. Jesus tells this little parable. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy and your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great the darkness. So Jesus is talking about money in the verses prior. He's talking about money and possessions after. So wrapped in there is this idea that if you have the wrong view of money, it has the power to affect your whole life. If you have the wrong view of money, a wrong attitude towards money, it will distort reality. It will distort your whole view of life. Maybe one way to think about this is the idea of, of an eating disorder where a person, a man or a woman, um, will, have, um, will have a certain look and they'll look at themselves in the mirror and they'll see something that's unhealthy, but their body is healthy. Or someone will say, I'm overweight, when you're actually perfectly fit. So your, your perception of reality is distorted. And Jesus is saying this, if you have the wrong attitude towards money, if you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you are obsessed and preoccupied with material things and money, your view of reality is distorted. If the trajectory of your life is all about money and material things, it is not about heavenly things, it is, it is not about eternal things, you will have a distorted view of life. A healthy eye, Jesus is talking about, is a singular focused eye on Jesus Christ. 
And this is what it means to be a follower of His. That we are learning what it means to surrender every area of our life to Him. A bad eye, Jesus is saying, an unhealthy eye, is we are preoccupied with money and material things, and that will distort every area of your life. <clears throat> we do this by comparing our lives to others. I'm not as bad as this person. I have less money than this person. And then we self-justify. So this morning, it's about asking honest questions. It's about reflecting on your own life and being real and being aware that money has power to distort reality. It has a power to blind you. Number three, Jesus is teaching us this, that money makes a terrible God. Money makes a terrible God. Verse 24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And I've read that this week over and over again. And I feel like the, our culture today is, oh yeah, Jesus? Of course I can. I can do both. Of course I can do both. Jesus says there's no neutral. There is no neutral. And we need to think carefully and honestly in our own lives, in our own families, in our own church, with this idea that we want it all. We live in a time where we want it all. We want money. We want fitness. We want a stable house, healthy marriage, healthy kids. We want it all. And Jesus is saying, no, you cannot. You cannot have it all. You cannot have two masters. If, um, if you're not buying the words of Jesus this morning, let me see if, if you'll uh, buy the words of Bob Dylan. This is, from, <laughs> this is from 1979. And he wrote this. I won't read the whole song, but I will read parts of it. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You, you may like to dance. You might be the heavyweight champion of the world. You may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. But you are going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you will have to serve somebody. And here's the line. It well may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. You might be a rock and roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You might be a businessman or some high degree thief. They may call you doctor. They may call you chief. But you're going to have to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. You may be a state trooper. You might be a young Turk. You might be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under another name. You might be a construction worker on a home. You might be living in a mansion. You might be living in a dome. You might own guns. You might even own a tank. You might be somebody's landlord. You might even own a bank. But you're going to have to serve somebody. And I think that we think that we can do both. Jesus says you can only serve one. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. We have to make a choice. And I think the reflection for us this morning is the idea of self-reflection and, and, and willingness to ask hard questions 
about life and how we spend our money and, and what we're willing to do and what's important to us. I guarantee you this, that the master, our Lord Jesus Christ, is a different kind of master than money. And money will enslave you. Jesus Christ will free you. Money will torment you. Jesus Christ will give you joy. Money will forever hold a grip on you. Jesus Christ will give you eternity. And so we have to think about the world that we live in and how the continual appeal for more. The Bible teaches, and, uh, and I won't give you any references this morning, I can another time, but the Bible teaches three general purposes for money. Number one, to provide for the needs of your family. Number two, to provide for the needs of the poor. Number three, to provide for the needs of gospel ministry. Provide for the needs of your family, provide for the needs of the poor, and provide for gospel ministry. Think about this and how we spend our money today in the marketing campaigns to keep buying more and more and more. And the word you need, we need to think about is needs and wants. And we will always justify. And so we pray for wisdom. We pray that the words of Christ would sink into our lives and understand the power that money can have. Let me give you, um, I've, I said that when we struggle with pornography or other things, that, here, that we need an action plan. Well, I'm, I'm in no way at all trying to give financial advice at all. It's between you and God. But here's what I will say. Here are some practical things. Number one, Will you talk to God? Will you pray and ask God to search your heart? Will you stop playing games? Will we stop playing church and, and just continue the charade of our love with money? That's number one. Will you talk to God about this? Number two, will you plan? Will you be willing? Now, I know that most people will not do this. I'm just asking you anyways. Nobody likes to look at a bank statement and money and say, where's my money going? Will you just take a few minutes this afternoon, sometime, take 20 minutes and sit down and look, where's all my money going? Number three, make a budget. How do you, how do you function? How do you be generous with your money without a budget? You cannot be. Think about where your money's going. Figure it out. Determine a percentage this is between you and God. You draw your own conclusions. But one of the things we want to do, one of the things I want for my own life, is I want to be generous. It is, it is undeniably true that the character trait of the early church were people who were generous. You cannot escape it. You are creating your own fantasy version of Christianity if you are not willing to be generous. Pray plan, budget, come up with a percentage that you want to be generous with. Come up with, don't pick a number because any number is going to sound great to you. It's between you and God, but pick a percentage because what happens, listen, this is true, I'm just speaking from my own life. Nobody talked to me and I'm not sharing any personal thing. You will always give more than you think. You will always put yourself in the best light. 
You're, not, you're always going to think, I want to be generous. I'm a generous. No one ever thinks, I'm stingy. I want more for me. We don't, we don't think of ourselves that way. We always, it's human nature to put yourself in the best light. I guarantee it. So you have to think about it. You have to plan. You have to pray. You have to have a budget. And then through prayer and scripture and talking to your husband or wife if you're married and come up with a percentage that you think reflects generosity to you. And that's different for everyone. Listen, I do not believe that you can make a scriptural argument in requiring people to tithe, to give 10%. That's why you've never heard me say, hey, step it up, 10%, everybody. I I won't say that to you. That's too easy. That's too easy. Because what happens is some people will start doing that and be like, and I'm not, this has happened. Yippee-dip, look at me. I got my 10% going, and you feel pretty darn self-righteous. And Jesus actually has some pretty harsh words for you. That's another time. It's between you and the Lord and you thinking about generosity. Knowing this, God owns everything. God owns everything. You're stewards, you're caretakers of it. That's, That's what the Bible teaches. Jesus teaches that you can look at your money and see where it's going, and that's your true desires. That where you spend your money, that reveals where your treasure is. He also says that we can be blind to greed. That money has that power over all of us. And last, we can't serve both. You can't serve God in money. You've got to make a choice in your life, and then you've got to put it into practice. We've got to be people who practice what we say. We're not, we don't want to just be big talkers, right? We don't want to be the people right, in social media where we put all these great pictures, and, but behind the scenes, everything's a wreck. We want to be people who follow through and live this out. The whole motive of this is to understand that God is a giving God, that God is a generous God, and His generosity begins by giving His Son, Jesus Christ. He gave His Son to live the life that we can't live, died on the cross, a perfect man, to redeem us, to give us hope, to give us a new chance, a fresh start. And I, um, uh, my hope is that we would be discreet, secret, nobody knows who gives what, um, one of the best things that's happened as our church has gone on, I don't know who gives what. We, we, don't, we want to be low-key, discreet people. We want to be generous people who nobody knows. We want to be loving people, kind people, and be aware of the dangers. There are endless stories about how money destroys churches. And it is my job to teach correctly as best I can the right view of money knowing that money has tremendous power for good for gospel ministry good and it also has tremendous power to divide people to hurt people to destroy lives my prayer is that we would make the choice to follow Christ to follow his words and that we would be generous people wherever that will lead you let's pray Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak truth into our lives this morning. That 
that at the core of who you are is you are a loving and good God, that you are a generous God, that you gave us your Son. Father, I pray that we would be willing to reflect and, and just be honest and know that, that the ways of this world are dominated by money and that Jesus calls us to live a different lifestyle, that we are to be caretakers, we are to be stewards of the things you've given us. Father, I pray that we would be stewards of one another, that we would love one another well. I pray we would be good stewards of your creation, that we would not view this earth as a place to, to manipulate or to take or to use, but we would care for it. Your creation is so beautiful. And I pray that you would help us to be stewards of the financial resources you've given us, pray that you'd help us to be stewards of our families. I pray that we would be stewards of our church family, that we would care for one another, that we would speak truth to one another, that we would love each other well. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.